Hello Pod, it's AJ here and welcome back to another episode of the Adventurers Anonymous podcast, the home of improvised fantasy fucknuggetry. This is episode 20. Yes, let's just take a moment to reflect on that. Depending on where you are in the world, this podcast is almost old enough to drink. It's been one hell of a year. We've made new friends, said goodbye to old ones, but most of all, we've stayed true to our calling. And that's to suppress our actual feelings by sipping cocktails and playing Dungeons and Dragons. Trust me, this is far cheaper than therapy. Besides, my therapist insists I wear trousers while sharing. Weirdo. Due warning, this week's episode, as ever, is not suitable for little ears. It contains a plethora of tricky topics and adult themes, with more four-letter words than your mildly illiterate nan trying to play Scrabble. However... If you do speak fluent innuendo and have a thing for wizard sleeves, then perhaps stay with us. If you're new to this podcast and can't work out what the hell I'm going on about, don't worry, you're not alone. Why not give this a pause and go and find our trailer, which gives you a brief outline of all the main cast of characters. Another big shout out this week to the lovely Alain Voif for drawing our crocoborn friend Belsiar and also Hanash. We are hoping to share those images on social media real soon. So go and check her out on at Alenvoif and her amazing work on Instagram and Twitter. Also, time for a shout out to Soup the Wonder Dog, the greatest of all of us. But you didn't come here to listen to me gabble on, did you? So, without further ado, go grab yourself a drink, pull your chair closer to the fire, and come join us for this week's episode of Adventurers Anonymous. There you go, we are live. And sadly, we have no Chris and no Lewis. So we've got no Hanash and no Aristobulus, but I'm sure they can be autopiloted somehow. Maud, who are we sponsored by? We are sponsored by Glory Hole Golfing. Oh, Glory Hole Golfing, yes! So where Pizza Hut used to be around the corner from us, I think it's Pizza Hut, one of them's gone under anyway, and they put some hoarding up, and they've just put the adverts up for Glory Hole Golfing. That cannot oh, really? Adult golfing. Is it the one dressed up from the banker's draft? Yep, yep, yep. They've got a giant unicorn in the window currently. A scariest fucking looking sheep with a human face yep. that you will ever see. Yep. And yes, it is going to be topless adult golfing. Mini golfing. Mini golfing. Sponsored by Glory Hole Golfing this week. Not a lie. Not a lie. And it's got a massive donut on the front. <laughs> Chocolate donut. Yeah, don't say that. Yeah. That's the thing that happened. So there you go. This week we are sponsored by Glory Hole Golfing, coming to an industrialized city centre near you soon. Right. For those who cannot remember what the fuck we did last week or just want to listen to me make some shit up on the spot, I have done us a quick recap. So... If you're all sitting comfortably. Last we left off with our intrepid adventurers, they had found themselves mid-fight with the nefarious band of no militia who had laid waste to the northern coastal village of Palebank. Having weighed up their options tactically, they had opted to engage with their foe rather than softly stalk them. This had resulted in a pitched fight with little insight gleaned but maximum damage achieved. 
The gore and viscera of downed gnomes lay deep and thick in the drifts of snow that had been deposited amongst the boughs of the alpine trees where the camp lay. Hanash had stood resolute, taking wound after wound as he crushed every diminutive combatant in his path, leaving a swathe of blood and bone with his newly acquired morning star. Maud felt that warfare was not her primary objective and had callously flayed and worn the skin of a dead gnome and stalked about the battlefield picking up spoils. This included a bag of undelivered post that gnomes had clearly stolen from a postman. Aristobulus once more called forth the sexual frustrations of the celestial realms and used his giant spiritual appendage to batter gnome after gnome into submission, stalking the dying and offering them scant comfort and solace. Belsiar took more of an observatory role in the fight, passing from body to body of the dying, pumping them for information and ushering them into the afterlife in a more humane and gentle fashion than his star-spangled spiritual comrade nearby. And of course, Tati had reached the final chapter of his unhappy narrative with his one-time mentor and betrayer, Skarl, who had masterminded the massacre at the local village. Using all options available to him to find an advantage, Tati had wolfed down a potion of flying and taken to the skies to locate his nemesis. This also made him a sitting target, and he was lib- literally, or liberally, peppered in arrows. Much to Maud's chagrin, Natty opted to fireball Skarl, who was hiding amongst a herd of tethered horses, the smell of burning meat and saddle hanging thick in the air, all horrible. Landing firmly on his feet on the ground, Tati bested Skarl in open combat, and had him at his mercy. Tatty found himself at a crossroads as a man who had caused him so much hurt and harm was lying helpless and dying at his feet. Skarl warning Tatty that in hunting him down and killing the known militia, Tatty had invariably become the very heartless killer that he had vowed to enact revenge on. Without pause or hesitation, Tatty ran Skarl's throat through and swiftly ended his reign of tyranny. As we step back and take a moment, we now see the makeshift encampment as it's buffeted by cold Arctic coastal wind. Ice shards from the sea needling into the survivors, causing them to pull up their scarves and collars. The falling snow is already starting to extinguish the fires that have erupted amongst the tent and cart. As the last of the cries and screams of the dying abate, all that is left is a sad and mournful tune being played by Aristobulus as he sits on the charred remains of a horse's saddle and the baleful sobs of Tatty Bojangles as he kneels by the cold dead body of his one-time friend, mentor, and betrayer, desperately, t- taking, hand- desperately taking handfuls of s- fresh cold snow and trying to wash the now-dried blood off his tiny scarred hands. And that is where we will pick up with this week's adventure. Can you tell I had the day off today? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I knew I didn't believe you when you said you were making it up on the spot. Uh, Tati is gonna, he's gonna stand up. I guess he's probably still, he's probably still crying a bit. He's gonna, uh, get, walk over, walk over by a, a tree or something like that. If there's any kind of loose branches hanging about nearby, um, he's gonna, he's gonna walk over and attempt to make some kind of like makeshift cross, almost like a, almost like a, 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 a very makeshift, like not, not gravestone, but you know what I mean? Just something to mark a grave. Um, and he's gonna, he's gonna take it and put it in the snow. Um, and 
he like every now and again he keeps like glancing over at Scarl's body as if he expects him to have run away by the time he looks back again. Um, and he's gonna put the he's gonna put the the shitty twig gravestone thing in the ground, and he's gonna say a prayer for the uh, for the horses. <laughs> I'd forgotten about the horses. You utter monster. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's now realizing the, uh, uh, the the tunnel vision that he had when he was going for Scarl. So he he's, he says a he says a prayer for them. As Aristobulus walks over to your shoulder, you see he's munching on a haunch of meat, which you're slightly terrified his horse. As he looks over and says, I am a spiritual man. Would you like me to say a word or two? Um, at this point, I, I kind of recognize that I'm basically just blabbering, saying, um, just kind of apologizing to this to this makeshift grave and saying, uh, you're the, you're, your lives will be the last ones that I take in error in, in looking for a, in trying to, in trying to kill a villain. Um, so I, I, I look over Aristobulus and recognize him that he, even he's probably better at giving a religious service than I am. I'm going to say, yes, please. As Tati, you look over and he rolls up his sleeves. You- you see some of the weird shit he has tattooed on himself. Some of it looks professional, some of it looks amateur. As he pulls out various religious paraphernalia from underneath his robe of stars, he's got all sorts of different insignias and all sorts of different metals holding around his neck in various medallions. As he almost has trouble picking one out, he picks one that he seems to think is appropriate and starts uttering something in low guttural tones. Um, for the first time in a long time, you almost see an Aristobulus you don't see very often. The spiritual man, he obviously has some degree of spiritual training, but it doesn't come to the surface very often, as he's obviously performing some kind of last rites. As uh, he kneels over and closes the eyelids of the slightly crispy gnome. Uh, Maud, what do you do? Um, at this point, I've been wandering around after slamming people, slamming gnomes' faces into rocks. And for, I'm going to say, probably the last three episodes, I haven't had a piss. And I'm absolutely <laughs> desperate. Oh, so God. what I'd like to do is, like, Scar seems as good a place as I need to have a piss, you know, and he's caused all of this. I'd like to go over and just have a wee. Well, where is it coming out from? Is this coming out of the nose or... Oh, shit. Wow. I was like... <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, right. Okay, you, you still you're just... very, very racist. This is actually pre-outed. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't appreciate the implications of what you're trying to imply. Uh, no, I would like to take my penis-like nose and flip it over one shoulder. That's fine. Just out of the way. <laughs> I'd then like to squat down just over Scar and, and, you know, just have a bit of a wee. Being three episodes, three long episodes, I haven't managed to have a wee. I think I deserve it. There's 24 hours of 24 with Jack Bauer and he never once took a piss. He's more, he's more man than I will ever be. Yeah, but that's Keeper Sutherland. That's Flatter of Steel. So, Tatty, as you and Aristobulus are having a moment, a genuine moment, and not one you would see Aristobulus offer up very often, out of your peripheral vision, you see the blue-skinned demon lady stalk into the scene, drop her kex, 
and just start pissing on the body of Skull. I'm going to, um, as, as I see her doing this, I'm, I'm confused for like a second until I realise that A, she's just relieving herself and B, that this is deeply disrespectful to Skull and I just turn around and just like your brother thought. I'd like to start whistling hi-ho, hi-ho, you know, just to kind of take the edge of the situation. Hi-ho! <laughs> I guess it helps you piss. <laughs> Aristobulus is like, uh, would you like me to give you two some room? Uh, I don't, I don't mind. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, I just finish my wee and I, because I'm squatting, and I stand up a bit and like a cat, shake one leg and then just wander off. MacGruber, who's standing behind you all at this point, is like, right, well, I've seen everything now. Fuck me. No, thank you. All right, that wasn't an open offer. <laughs> Can I? Um, I don't know. Him, I don't know how he's kind of like laid out on the ground. Um, having read the <laughs> <laughs> the dead bird. Um, having read the letter yes. that Carl had, mm-hmm. um, can I check his hands to see if there's a ring? Uh, yeah, as you as you look over Skull, uh, there's still steam rising off him um, from Maud. As you take a stick and poke away at his arm and get his hand out, you can see there is indeed a gold band over his small gnomish finger on the left-hand side. As you lay down, yeah, you see the letter it alludes to the fact that he had a wife and children uh he has a wife called sarah um and uh he also had a daughter as well you also discover that his surname was leatherwelt he was skull leatherwelt and uh his family lived at 84 Seven Bells Lane in the town of Tassoa. Sorry, was that 84 Seven Bells Lane? 84 Seven Bells Lane, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tassoa, did you say? In Tassoa, T-U-S-S-U-O-A, Tassoa, which is on the Menagerie Coast. Okay. Can I... I've got the book, I've got the bag of letters. Yes. Can I have a look through the bag of letters for a reply that he would have sent her? Uh, yeah, you can certainly look through the bag of letters. Uh, just for the sake of storyline, uh, as you look through it, you um, find various letters of all sorts, most of which are pointed down that end. There are letters um, to Guadin, there's letters to Port de Mali, to Soa, there's letters to Fiolin, Port Zoon, Nicodranus, uh, and even a few letters to Trostenwald. Most of the uh, letters seem to be um, aimed at that end of the world. It would appear that whatever happened, uh, the, <clears throat> the, the postman had taken a lot of messages for that end of the world. However, he came to his demise. Uh, you have a lot of letters. But are there any letters for 84 Seven Bells Lane? No. So this, this letter that Skull had was one from him to Sarah. It wasn't from Sarah to him. Uh, this is a letter from him to Sarah that he never got to post. Okay. Mostly because it appears somebody killed the postman. But whether that was Skull in an act of sheer self <laughs> frustration or whether it was one of his many minions acting on, you know... D- Poor choice. Uh, what are we? What are you doing in all of this? Whilst people are praying over corpses and other people are pissing on them. 
Well, my, my first thought was to use a combination of um, uh, Free Bonfire and Troll Flame, make like a, a magical light show to add some kind of magical ethereal to the, the seating. Like, like the, there could be like horses coming out of the fire to represent the dead horses. Like a, like a fireworks play, basically. But that's probably, I mean, I think I can read the mood for what people want to see and it might cause a fire that spreads. It's true. Uh, so I guess I'm just going to do the do the classic thing and look around for stuff to eat or steal. Because this is a camp, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's in disarray. As I said already, the snow is starting to extinguish um, bits of the tent which were set alight originally by Tati's dagger of uh, Sindranash. Uh, there was a cart which is in reasonable condition. Maud's already pillaged and vanquished, and I think, from the cart. She took the gold, etc. As you look in the main tent, you see someone pretty much moored has already been there, overturned a chest, uh, cracked it open and poured the contents on the floor. You Lord see was there. here, scribbled. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you still see um, lots of stuff, you know, um, semi-digested, semi-digested? Semi-eaten chicken legs, drumsticks, bit of rotten fruit, various writing implements, yeah. Is there any Pretty, vinegar? Is there any vinegar? Yeah. Uh, like, make me an investigation check. Or like lemon, if lemons exist. They'll say I was got a hankering for fish and chips. Uh, two. Yeah, boy. Two. Uh, you think what you look around, um, you, you, you don't seem to see any kind of food-related items were, were eaten in a hurry and didn't appear to have any condiments applied to them. Um, as much as we're specifically looking for one thing, there's <laughs> not there. no like little sachets of. There's no little sachets of vinegar, mustard, mayonnaise, or ketchup. Sadly, yeah, the, the hunt continues. As McGruber takes you to one side and says, "Right, what's the next step, then?" Well, I imagine we go back for brunch. Mm. I mean, brunch where? Brunch in Port de Mali? Or brunch in Ucadern? I spoke, well, as much as I'd love to go for, for brunch in Port de Mali, I suppose Ucadern's the, the closer option. Do you know any good brunch places there? You're, are you a local man? Oi, oi, I know, I know a few brunch places there. There's a few, there's a few pubs and bars. You've, you've obviously tried the crack cup. Yes, yeah. Uh, there's the smelter's apron. There, uh, there's the halfpenny. You're a fancy. Oh, hey, in one of the lower circles. Uh, I think there's a three bells on the lower circles. Yeah, someone that has... Well, I think that's very prestigious. I think you need to dress up proper and probably know someone to get in there. Proper. Okay. <laughs> As Maud just takes the piss out of his head. <laughs> <laughs> I like, the, I like that they're talking all the way over in the camp and Maud is still by Skull's body. <laughs> He's uh, he's seen he's seen her piss on a corpse already. He's not willing to pick a fight with her over her taking. <laughs> I'm at me, bro. <laughs> All right, my lover. <laughs> That's Gertrude. Um, as he concurs, it's probably best to go back to Uthodern, assess the situation. Uh, it's at this point, Aristobulus, that you remember that you commissioned two cups, one made out of a child's skull and one made out of a child's skull, and that you've had them imbued with magical powers yes. by a fire genocide back in Uthodern. Plus, you've already fronted the 100 gold pieces. Yes, that's great. So, I probably have to scale back my brunch plan. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that, but yeah. Okay, well, at 
Everyone, what's what's our best option getting back? Is there a, is there a horse and cart service? All the there's, horses are dead. All the horses are dead. You've got like a few hours ride back to Palebank Village. There was a summoning circle there, uh, or you've got a, you've got a day and a bit walk back up the mountainside to Utherden. Or or you do have your horses and cow, which are tethered. I was going to say I don't think I, I don't think I killed our horses. I think I killed their. As you all turn around, you see Tatty standing next to your horses, just covered in blood. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> exactly why I tied up this point, exactly why I tended the cow. Fucking terrible, terrible person. Yeah, I know. Um, so, I guess, I guess, I mean, what time of day is it now? Is it kind of getting to like... It is indeed getting to evening. The, you're currently, the, the fire is getting brighter and brighter as the sun starts dipping behind the mountains in the background. Okay. Uh, being the top end of the world, the it gets darker early. I mean, the the dark the darkness is longer for sure. Patty's uh, still kind of stood nervously by Scarl's body. Like he wants to go and stand by the he wants to go and like sit by the fire and actually get some rest. But he's still super paranoid that um, that that Scarl is like the boogeyman and he'll just like he'll get back up or it'll turn out that this isn't Scarl. Um, I think at this point he will actually legitimately do like an investigation check. To make sure that this is skull. Oh, this is how this is how paranoid he is. Is this anything in particular you're looking for, like a birthmark on Skull's buttock, or no, 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 not really. It's more, just, it's more just like uh, you know how he used like disguised self like that. It doesn't actually change your features. It's just like an image. I'd like to volunteer to peel his face off. Um, yeah, make sure there's no other faces under his face. Yeah, sure. Good with that. I was thinking about just taking his head off. Huh? As McGruber and Belsia come back into that side of the camp, we see Tatty and Maud going at the body of the uh, piss-stained body of uh, Skull that they're now doing a makeshift autopsy on making sure he was who he said he was and is as dead as he appears to be. Um, even Aristobulus seems to be taken aback by this. As Aristobulus walks over to you, Belcio, he says, do you know what? I don't think he's in a good place. And that's coming from me. Yeah, I mean, you'd know it if you saw it. I don't know what we can... <laughs> I don't know what we were looking for, but this was probably it. Um, yeah, and literally while Maud is doing this, I'm, 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 I'm stood probably a little bit further away from the body because I, it smells like piss. Um, <laughs> but I'm also rattling off like the, the, the latter sentence of like a funny story about Skull. Aristobulus is like... Yeah, I think we need to get him to a bar, and I think we need to get him drunk. Like, really drunk. Not good drunk, bad drunk. Uh, I guess once Maud's done her thing, uh, I'm going to take out the Ren's uh, hip flask. Uh, yes. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my dagger to put one more notch in it, um, and I'm going to pour out... Um, some of the booze on Skull's body, and um, if, if no one else, if no one else has anything left to do with the body, I'm pretty satisfied that it was him. So I'm just going to set him on fire. <laughs> He's been pissed on, messed around with, violated. <laughs> now he's going to get immolated. I take issue with violated. Is he rasputin? Motherfucker! <laughs> Can we not have an old? I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving him the respect of a of a gravestone. Uh, I'm giving him the the service the the, the call it the last rites that he deserves. As you all stand around, the 
Gnome, having made a pyre made out of broken bits of wood from the cart, the tents, and any tree boughs that you can find. The dragonborn igniting the pyre using pyromancy. Everyone stands by as the body goes up in flames, much akin to the end of the Empire Strikes Back. Um, Without the Jedi. Shut up. Shut up, you are dogged 100 points XP, yes. Much <laughs> akin to the end of Return of the Jedi, uh, except instead of the faint smell of PVC burning from Vader's armour, it's now the faint <laughs> smell. You burn PVC and vinyl, it doesn't smell. It's like, it's, it's like just the Stormtrooper's armour. You can't, you really can't imagine it being made out of anything but just very, very cheap plastic. Yeah, no, no, the carbon footprint of the Empire was not good. We know that much. Right, whereas now instead of the burning smell of PVC, it's demonic piss and alpine sap. So it's kind of a bit like a Glade plug-in, but made of urea. So it's that's what we're going with. As the flames lick up the side and slowly but surely the body of Skarl is consumed by the flames, the tiny little gnome who's staring eyes agog at the body doesn't feel the grief and the regret go as the body is turned into cinder and ash. And as you leave it a few hours as everyone makes ready to leave, Tati, you go back and you find amongst the charred bones the ring of skull, which is now slightly blackened, but yeah. still. Can I, um, I take it? Absolutely. You get it. There's, I'm not crass enough to make you make some sort of check to get it off the bone of his finger. I'll say that it comes yeah. off. Yeah. Kill, kill marriage. Um, <laughs> How, has <Rick> <laughs> in? Are you going to like pull his finger off to get the to get the ring off? Yeah, or? that's a good point. Oh uh, yeah, it's rigor mortis. There. I mean, does it really count as rigor mortis if his body's been just there? bones and ash? Yeah. Jesus Christ, you really are going to some dark places. All the fat, all of the skin, all of the lipos, all of the fucking cartilage is all burned up. All there is is the bony knuckles of his phalanges as the ring comes off. It's slightly greasy, it's slightly sooty. You shake it off on your trouser leg. That sounds wrong now that I've said it out loud. <laughs> you um, tuck it away in a pocket like Frodo's ring. Um, MacGruber is ushering you all to get back to Uthodem before the weather turns, before the night sets in, as he says, it's not a great place to be at night. Uh, it's cold, and there are predatory animals that will hunt out here at night. Are we gonna, would we, can we get back to safety in time? Or? I was, I was gonna you say. You can certainly go back to Pale Bank if you wish, or you can try and march through the night on horseback, uh, back up the slopes of Uthodon, or at least at the foot of the slopes of Uthodon. I think we, uh, we go back to Pale Bank and rest there. At least there's buildings there. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it would be like a nice, like, romantic night under the stars watching the northern lights and stuff but it sounds more like it's going to be hellish blizzards and winter storms and, and, and wild predators so yeah. I guess we'll go back to Pelbank. Any last things Maud? Uh, no I do need to find a toilet though and I'm not willing to like pee or poo on any more gnomes so let's Have go. you got a yeast infection? You literally pissed me. <laughs> In three episodes! You don't pee like a racehorse. Okay so you, as you all watch the demonic lady draining herself once again um, you make your way back to your tiny corral of horses as, and cow as you slowly make the trip back across the coastland back to Pale Bank Village 
Many of the survivors now starting to rebuild lives. It's not been very long, but you see already people are starting to to mobilize. People are starting to put together some of the outer palisade. You see the fires have been put out. You start seeing bands of people going from uh, building to building, trying to pull down the most dangerous and um, perilous looking buildings and trying to pull anything of any value or use. You also see that various people have arrived on the scene from other towns, other villages to offer aid, food parcels and packages and various traders. And you also notice some people are literally just putting things on carts and have up sticks and are pissing off. As you arrive back, everyone turns to see you come back over the horizon, almost with a sense of fear and dread, like more bad things are coming for them. I take up a big, like, uh, prominent position, and I turn to the people of Hellback and I say, Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> God. We don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> now, what's this drive? <laughs> um, as a slightly battered, bruised, and bloody man comes forward, he's like, Who'd you get? Uh, I turn to Tassie because I'm not. I'm really not sure what we've done. I think it was some <laughs> bad gnome guy. Um, I just, I kind of pipe up very, very quietly at first and just say, uh, "Yeah, the uh, the guy who led the attack on your village, uh, dead now, and the people that were with him, they're all dead." And the horses, they're um, dead. And, and the horses, just, just in case. Hopes and dreams, all dead. Just in case. There's a sadness in his eyes as he's like, "So much death." Does death help with more death? Yes. What good will come of this? Dead. I just told you. <laughs> that means he's not going to come back and do it again. Rebuild. Well, I suppose there's more mercy in that. Can we offer you a warm meal? Shelter? That would be very much appreciated. Thank you. Come into the tavern. As he, they escort you over to the tavern. Um, Belsia, make me a perception check. Uh, six. Six. As you walk on the way to the tavern, you can't help but notice, you think you see the man who was recently widowed, uh, who you offered advice to, mm. be hand in hand with another lady as they skulk off to an outhouse somewhere. Good effort. No, that's like the worst. I was going to ask about him because I was going to say, like, I want to see him, but I also would rather not see him. I'd be awkward if I see him. But I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll see him at a distance and I'll, I'll leave him alone and I'll just think, well, he's doing okay. But seeing that is like really devastating. Memoirs of a fuckboy. <laughs> <laughs> Memoirs of a fuckboy. He appears to have taken some kind of lady into an outhouse and you just see the outhouse shaking with the crescent moon in the door. In a, in a way that Bilsia can't even really understand why he feels this way, but he feels bad. Yeah. Uh, as you go into the tavern, you see it's not in great order. I mean, it's pretty dinged up. There are a selection of drinks left. Things are a little bit... It smells of dampness. It smells of soot. But it's dry-ish, and it appears to have a small enclave of survivors in there, one of which has found a cracked loot and is currently trying to raise up a song. Um, You see Aristobulus watching them with some form of suspicion as he keeps on trying to join in, but they won't let him. <laughs> so they they have they have like a, a working a working bar by all accounts like 
yeah, we, we're not talking about like a Weatherspoons here. We're talking about a selection of not, not that bad. We're talking about a selection of odds and ends, more of like a. Um, I like bring your own. Everyone's brought their own alcohol. It's you know things have been the the invaders had looted and pillaged a lot of stuff, but everyone's brought whatever kind of like cider they had or homemade home brewed shit, and everyone's brought it in. And there's a selection of mugs, and all are welcome, and nobody's charging. This is more about a sense of community than it is com- communism. No. Commerce would be what I was like. <laughs> is it? Is it pretty fallen? Yeah, it's not as fun as it might be on a, on, a, on a good night, but it's 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 become somewhere between a makeshift kind of like place for people to come and take shelter. Somebody's got a, a rudimentary fire going on the hearth, uh, using bits of wood that it's best not to think of where they've come from. And uh, you see in the back room, there's a kind of shelter for the children. There's various children who've been rescued and you can see bedding out the back where they've been laid down it strikes you at this point tatty that not all of those children will have parents anymore uh, in the in the spirit of uh sharing i guess i'm gonna take out the the bottle of moonshine from Bordemali um that i used to fill up my hip flask and the pap du stank pap du stank Wine uh, and I'm gonna, I guess, just just go around and if if everyone, I mean, not the like children, obviously, not. Just <laughs> not... waking up orphans in the middle of the Dear night. Have some coffee. Holding their nose. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna go around all the all the uh, all the adults, and if they've got a cup, I'm just gonna pour pour something out for people. As you go around, there's a toast. As um, you see, people are very grateful. People know what you did. Word is getting around that you hunted down the man who did this. They don't know who Scarl is. And they're just great. They Some see you as a hero. Some see you as merely part of the problem. But everyone is willing to raise a drink for fallen comrades. And everybody raises a toast to Elro Aldator, who was the one-time leader of the village, and nobody seems to know where he's gone. So. Ooh. Oh, was he not among the dead? Ooh. No. As word gets around that nobody can find the body of Elro Aldator, he has gone missing. Maud, what are you doing in all of this? Um, I would like to be... What do you call it when you you hoover up drinks that aren't yours? Minesweeping. Minesweeping. I'd like to be minesweeping. I'm I'm a very good minesweeper. Make me a sleight of hand check. I will. From the first roll of the evening, we're 45 minutes in. Yeah, I think think Belsier rolled a couple of times, but... Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Can we start? I just noticed you can have custom stats on on D&D Beyond. Can we add one for minesweeping? (laughs) I like that. I think we should, you know. (laughs) Makes a slight of the Yeah. 13. 13. Yeah, 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 yeah. As you go around, you're taking bits of this, bits of that. As we've said many times on this podcast, you're making a zombie pint of all sorts of different King's shit. Cup is what we call it, where you've got a bit of everything. A bit of what? King's Cup. Oh. Uh, uh, you pour a bit of everything into your own cup. All right. So you've got a King's Cup, bits of. You've got. Um, ales. Ciders, spirits, 
you know, single malts, you've got all sorts of everything. As you go a little bit overboard at one point and steal one of the drinks off the um, bedside milk off one of the orphans, and uh, an elderly looking lady just lays a hand on you and is like, Dearie, maybe it's best if you didn't steal the drinks off the orphans. Fuck off. Takes it, drinks it all, slams it back down on the counter. Burps. Right, I can see you in a dark place, and I'm going to leave you in that dark place. <laughs> Easy, that. Couple along. As long as you drink the, as long as you drink the milk separately, don't put that in the glass with everything else to curdle. Like Bailey's, <laughs> Bailey's top. As Maud looks around, she sees an old man asleep on a bunk bed. Takes the glass of water with his false teeth in and necks that too, and puts it down. She's not taking shit off anybody. I'd like to yeah. take false teeth, please. <laughs> Useful. As you take the false dentures, can you mark those in your inventory, please? Mm-hmm. Uh, the old lady goes to open her mouth, feels her own dentures, and just thinks better of it. She's she's had enough grief for one weekend, and uh, she knows that some people just want to see the world burn, and she knows that grief is a process. So she's going to leave you to grieve in the most healthy way that you know how. Smart lady, shuffle along. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Uh, so as you spend the rest of your your evening, uh, MacGruber seems to be somewhat isolated. He's not really talking to anybody. He's just hanging out on his own. After a while, the band keeps playing and Aristobulus bursts his way in. They give up in the end. He's playing out of beat to fuck them off. He's playing on the offbeat because uh, they weren't willing to let him play. Um, and after a while, the alcohol gets the better of people. You're shown to various camp beds and you spend a night there. Would I say it's comfortable? No. But is it a long rest? Yes. So all of you can have a long rest. Um, as I will... I'll hit the long rest button for Aristobulus. Same for Hanash, please. Same for Hanash. Okay, hold on. So as you wake in the morning, you are not... I mean, you're cold... You're uncomfortable, you're a little bit stiff in your pallet beds as you rise early. You see people have got sore heads. There's some dried meats and basic barley porridge to be handed around. Somebody's cooked on the embers of the fire. And uh, you start off a fresh morning. The sun come up glinting off the fresh snow, quite bright and blinding outside. But the fires are out, and it feels like the dawn of a new age for this tiny village. Do do I still have the full skin of the gnome? And then you tell me. Yes. Right. It's starting to go a little bit dry and claggy. Okay. So what I'd like to do is just outside the village, just outside the village, I'd like to take a spear right. or some kind of pole, like a really tall pole or a spear, and I'd like to attach this, uh, you know, flayed skin mm-hmm. of this gnome. gnome, this really horrible gnome. I'd like to attach it, and I'd like to put it by the entrance to the village as a wall Okay, so as everyone watches you, people are now wary of you because your behaviour is so erratic and people have started noticing bees uh, <laughs> around you. Bees? Fuck with me, bitches. Bees? People don't see bees in the Arctic much and you've you've managed to get a bit of a reputation about you already. As you go to the front gates, you hammer in a pole... You've already mounted the skin of a gnome on it, which is already starting to go a little bit... I mean, it looks like a used condom. 
it's nobody nobody's happy about this least of all you and as you plant it in the ground the flayed flesh starts flying like a kind of flag I suppose yeah like a wind um, like a wind sock made of flesh oh Jesus Christ I was going to say wind condom like a wind fleshy wind sock like a fleshy wind sock like John Candy's foreskin just a decomposing fleshy wind sock and uh, as you look down you hear a little cough next to you as you look over and see a little orphan girl who's standing next to you and she's like what are you doing uh, i'd like to reach into my backpack get some honey and give it to her because i'm not a monster uh i mean that doesn't look very safe not like got a plate or anything like that you want, you, you want me to lick honey off your fingers? You've just oh, no, I, I dump it into her hands, her open, outstretched hands. Ah, thanks, thanks for that. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm diabetic. So you're dying a very happy, you know, warm space. A very I'm... warm sugar coma. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. It's a thought that counts. But yeah, what are you up to? Uh, I, I'm an interior decorator. From I mean, your you're an exterior decorator. Exterior decorator. <laughs> and I am I'm here to add a spot of colour and trauma to your village. Oh, okay. I'm not going to pretend I know what those words mean. But uh, if you've come to make the world a better place, you have not succeeded. Well, that that's your opinion. Art is subjective. The fuck off. <laughs> Is this kid fucking philosophy professor here? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the kid's like, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, you take care of yourself, strange lady. Why Why are you blue? Uh, why are you skin coloured, you weird little freak? Fuck off. <laughs> it's a pretty rude question to ask somebody. 24 hours I've been an orphan and uh, seems to be working out well for me so far. So thank you very much for the dangerous honey. And uh, you you take care of yourself, demon lady. I'd like to pat her on the head. Although she's rude and very obnoxious and didn't receive my present well. You know, she's, she's still an orphan and, and I'm all about the kids. <laughs> and as you pat her on the head, your sticky, honey-stained <laughs> hand just gets caught in her hair. She's like, yeah, don't worry, I've got to wash it anyway. <laughs> and she just scuttles off and leaves you. Even though she doesn't have a house or a bath or a bathroom or... <laughs> Orphan. It doesn't mean she's homeless. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was going to say. Or NPC. I was going to say. If anything, she has she has more homes than she did. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. You don't know what she's doing. Can we follow yeah. her back then? What she's got what? a house, <laughs> and no one's living in. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Um, right. As you, the day starts dawning you have to make a decision about what and where and and how you're going to get back and what you do are there any um probably is a terrible time to start trading but are there any like trade caravans in the village or do they not have much stuff (laughs) there is but when we say trade we're talking more about aid than trade yeah Um, that would be like turning up in a developing country (laughs) and buying bottles of water off the un Mm. it seems a little bit crass but I'll pay more than they will. This is the free market. <laughs> yeah. You can do, but that stuff was designed to help kickstart the economy of a beleaguered village. Yeah. So, you know when we were here before and the glass blades used the summoning circle? Yes. Did we get the impression that only they could activate it? 
Have you ever used a summoning circle before? No. Is it like a stargate? It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is a little bit like a stargate. Yeah. yeah um, as you have a little, you have like a, 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 a conflab as you all sit around in the tavern. Even Magruba joins you as you, you vote on where to go next. Aristobulus says, I'd very much like to uh, get back to Port de Mali at some point. I've got unfinished business there. Still not finished uh, the seminary, if I'm being brutally honest. But um, I wouldn't mind a stop off in Uthodern. Good uh, head back to Uthodern, uh, maybe rest up a little bit, do what we need to do there, and then arrange travel back to Port de Mali and the Menagerie Coast. There's a few things that we can do down there. As Aristobulus also says, I don't want to make a big thing out of this, but we do still have those giant magical bowling balls as well. Oh, how many do we have? Five. Have we been paid? Did we get paid for it? No, do you remember? We turned up and the blue skin one picked a fight with a man who was going to pay us. Yeah, no, so, I, I feel like we've got some money owed us at some point. I, hey, I, I mean, we've come all this way and we've got some, we've got some narrative closure, but where's the loot? I mean, we can... I know, with the little money time. There's the, um, the abandoned village by, uh, by Uthader, and apparently that's, that's infested with trolls or some shit. The glass blades, the glass blades said if we wanted to go and sort that out that could be a that could, I mean could be I believe the man said they were yetis oh yetis sorry fantasy nuance but uh, I think they're yetis um, yeah there's that going on McGruber is like well you don't want to make a big thing out of it but you are also members of the Almighty Teslet Cloak, and we feel like a lot of things have happened in that capacity and I would not mind spending some time studying that map you there found. Sure. I thought I gave it to you already. I don't know. A lot of shit's happened. I watched that lady over there brain the man to death with a rock. Yeah, it's been a it's been a tough uh, tough day. To be fair, I watched you milk a fucking cow. I've watched her piss on a corpse. I watched a man get crushed with a giant blue spectral phallus. I've fucking seen enough shit for one day. Stick with us, kid. You'll go far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna hand Magruba the map. This was the one that showed, uh, yeah, this was the one that showed, uh, the, near the landmark, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, 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 it was. Um, as you make your way into the tavern, you see Magruba makes a signal to the barman as he ushers you into a booth. And not long later, some foamy tankards of low-quality ale arrive and are distributed amongst you. The drinks are a bit warmer than you would have liked and they have a distinct sediment to them, but they cut through the, fir- the thirst amply. And you're soon filled with a warmth that radiates through you and softens your sore muscles. Looking up from his tankard for the first time, Magruba says, So, I guess you are now full members of the almighty Teslik Cloak. Better get you those membership cards updated, didn't I? Sounds good. You know, my father was a member and is before him. Big smile spreads across Belsia's face as he realizes brunch is with me. And Andy has another business card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that note was handed down generation to generation. It was kept safe by a solemn vow. And all the while, it was a fucking map. Who'd have thought it? I, um, I'm going to gesture to the, the map that's in front of him and I say, Do you know where that, you know where that leads? Well, it looks to be off the coast of Port de Marley, doesn't it? Looks to be in the water somewhere. Looks like I'm going to be hiring me a ship and sailing. Rather, from being honest, I don't know what kind of portent that is. I don't know whether it's good or bad. I've been protecting that note for as long as I've been alive. Mm-hmm. My Tilly would have been proud. She'd seen it. Oh, her face. Mm-hmm. She was my wife, you know. And what a sight she was. 
She always had a smile on her face. Even at the end when she was dying, she still had a smile on her face. Hmm. She was run through by Tyrus the Black. That's that guy that works planking, isn't it? Aye, that's that guy who works at a planking. He was over and he knew I'd do nothing. I'm too much of a coward to fight him and die trying. Couldn't even do that much for my Tilly, but I had a job to do protecting that note. From people like Skull, from people who would have abused it. So good riddance to him. The job well done. But I gotta follow that note. I gotta follow where that map goes. I've gotta go back down there. Looks like I gotta hire a boat and sail out into the ocean blue and work out what the fuck that thing is. You are more than welcome to join me if you like. Are you do you wanna come back with us to Uthadern and get travel from there to um uh, Damali? Or are you gonna try and get a boat from around here and He looks around at the um harbour side of the village which is mostly burnt down now there's a few like half sunk boats in the harbour as he's like we're in my best chance is probably come back to Uthadurn spend a little while there I need to get myself to a healer anyway my hands got slightly dinged up by that there torturer that you killed oh we can recommend someone who's great with hands oh great oh great hey well if you want to go back to Uthadurn I suppose we could do that you have any idea how to use Sonin, sir? At this point, you hear Aristobulus is like, do I know how to use the Sonin Circle? <laughs> He's used one in a sex act before, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you stand over there. He sent a spectral dildo through a summoning circle and got someone pregnant. Wow. He's he's like, why's it always got to be crass with you? Seriously. Because it's always crass with you. I'm a man of the cloth. Yeah, alright. Yeah. I'm always besmirched. I don't know why. Quite frankly, I'm worried about you, little man. Hey, this, sh- this, is the first, this, this is the first time in days that I've made a joke. Just let me go through my person. And I- all right. Well, look, when you guys are ready, I will give it a go, all right? I'll, I'll try and... I'll do, the, I'll do the summoning circle thing, all right? I mean, if not, we, we can just ride back to the booth it in, So All right. No pressure, big guy. And on that note, we're going to have a quick drink break. Bringing it back. We are finding ourselves in the rundown ramshackle chapel of Pale Bank Village, where the party are all gathered around together, looking slightly sheepish as Aristobulus jumps up and down on the summoning circle, very excitedly saying, I know how this works. I know, I know, I know how this works. I've got this. Don't worry. Is this like a Star Trek thing where technically you die in the in the summoning and your clone of you is recreated at the target? It's a spiritual thing, mate. I could tell you, but it would take years. You know, as long as it's been, <laughs> you know, checked out by a team of monks but, or oh, qualified yeah. technicians. <laughs> Yeah. Anybody wearing a red jersey? <laughs> yeah. Hanash walks over and is like, I don't trust this. I heard a mate once. He went on a summoning circle and he took half of him, chopped him in half. Easy, big guy. You're my hand. Easy, too. I think that's why you should go there. Uh, <laughs> right. Here we go. Aristobulus is like, are you all ready? Yeah, let's do it, man. Right, here we go. Let's do this as he um, looks up his own stats because he can't remember. Hold on, whilst I dig Aristobulus out. Uh, Right, Aristobulus looks over at the ground, and on the ground you see a a metal disc like plate which is lowered into the ground with various runes, various lines transecting and intersecting each other all with various stones inlaid into it. As Aristobulus stands in the middle for a while, looks down, you hear him talking to himself under his breath. 
Um, Belsio, make me a perception check. Uh, eight. <laughs> eight. I think you hear him say, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, underneath his breath. Uh, right. As Aristobulus rolls up his wizard sleeve... No, he's not wizard, is he? He rolls up his sleeve of from his robe, his silk-dirty crusted kimono thing, stands in the middle, starts saying some words under his breath, spins around on the spot. You hear him close his... Hear him? You see him close his eyes, and you see him reach out his hands and say some incantations. As things start, the hair on the backs of your arms start standing on end, you feel a certain kind of portentous energy inside the chapel. As you look over, and some of the loose pages on a um, book that's been left on a pew start, like a breeze starts coming through and the pages start turning over on it. As Aristobulus's voice raises up into a higher pitch. Um... <laughs> Take a bite of that top half, Hanash. <laughs> As um, basically, suddenly a vortice starts swirling around the inside of the chapel, and you see loose things lift up. A cushion at first starts spinning around as it starts like a sinkhole spinning around. As you suddenly hear a. <laughs> As Aristobulus vanishes down a spiritual sinkhole, the rest of you all lift it off your feet. Each of you make me a um, athletics check. Actually, no, sorry. Each of you make me a dexterity saving throw. Apologies. Each of you make me a dexterity saving throw. Uh, I roll a 70, so uh, 24. <laughs> 24. Tatty, you... Reach out and grab onto the bottom of a lectern. You're holding onto the bottom of a uh, carved wooden lectern in the shape of an eagle as you're holding onto the base of it, your feet up in the air. What um, the I can roll for Hanash as well. What do the other two get? When you say dexterity saving, is that the one at the top where it says strength dexterity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got Those are the ones on the, um, on the left-hand side. That's right. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I roll again? Yeah, did you not roll the first time? You've got seven. Seven. You all look over at Maud as uh, you see the very bees sucked out and bits of honey are starting to fly off her back. As she hits the floor, you see Maud's claws scratching into the stonework on the chapel floor as she attempts to hold herself back as she roars with abyssal anger as she's swallowed whole by the sinkhole. What about you? Uh, Fourteen. Fourteen. Uh, you hold on for as long as you can onto a pew leg before the pew snaps off and you and the pew are wholly swallowed by the sinkhole. MacGruber makes it to the door before he can no longer run as he slides back down the tile work and is swallowed by the sinkhole. Hanash, you see, peers around the you side got, of the... You got sick, so... Hanash peers around the side of the pew, is dragged along. He reaches out and grabs onto your ankle as you have the whole weight of Hanash stretching you out, holding onto your ankle. <laughs> as he's like, I'm scared! I'm scared! So wait, are we holding onto stuff in the chapel? We're not, we're like, we're not, we're kind of being saved from being sucked in. Yep, just you and Hanash are the only ones there. I mean, surely he would kill all of us in a something circle like that. You ain't dead. Uh... <laughs> you start feeling your knees, so you can feel the cartilage in your knees starting to give as the 
near seven foot, like 300 pound half orc. His full weight is now pulling your diminutive form. Where's Barbara? She's gone. She's been, she been dragged in. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, Honash's weight is pulling me in, right? Like, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I can't possibly hang on for long, anyway. Yeah. If I can't see that Barbara is in the chapel, anyway, I'm, I'm probably just gonna let go. Honash looks up at you with his big green eyes. He's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm scared. I said death is only the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I said, where we're going, we don't need roads. As you're fired into the sinkhole, everything spinning and turning into the vortice going down into a single point of light as you're blasted out onto an interdimensional plane. As you look around, you can see the other members floating through the air as you fire your way at light speed. You watch at first patterns of lights as they swirl and vortice, each light extending into a beam of rainbow colours. And as you... <clears throat> at first you panic and you scream, but you realise there's no, like, air, you can't scream, your voice is going nowhere, and as you lower yourself and you calm, you look around and you see your own life played out in a tapestry, each of you seeing different events before your very eyes. More do you see yourself um, pre-bullet uh, form as you see yourself... Um, in the um, chapel of Segal where you trained you see yourself as a young person reading from the holy book you see yourself uh, as a very young tiefling with rags on Uh, you see your own life played out you see yourself as the bullet um, tatty you see a whole patina of different things uh, from you as the little orphan gnome through to um, your time with Skull, happy memories, bad memories. You revisit the time where you met Lady that you were introduced and you even revisit some fairly nasty times like when you lost your fingers in the trap. Belsia, there's a whole, there's a whole uh, load of things that play out for you. Your time in the wizard's sleeve, um, your sort of time learning. Um, you, you see the the day that you are expelled from the wizard's sleeve for tyromancy. You're reminded of exactly what it was that you learned um, through your. Um, foray into trying to predict the future with tyromancy um, and you you see pictures of your father before you with his nose in a book always learning never having enough time to play with you as you're blasted along the plane Panache sees things that only he will know Aristobulus you get the feeling Aristobulus is replaying an endless rape scene with a bear um, over and over and over and if you look further down the line of floating bodies as you're transported Tati you see Barbara and you wonder in your mind's eye what it is she's seeing you hope she's seeing the day she met you as each of these individual things is played out in front of you uh, and you pray to God that Magruber has nothing but happy memory of his wife Billy as what seems to drag on for an age and a lifetime, you see a tiny, infinitesimally small prick of light at the end in front of you as it grows and grows and grows and spins into a into a cartwheel as you're thrust back out into the light 
as you find yourself some 20 foot above the ground as you plummet out of the air and onto hard cold stone as the air is knocked out of your lungs and you hear gasps around you as each of you look up and realize you've been ejected into the cathedral in one of the middle tiers of uh, Uthodon, you've been blasted out into an underground cavern of a cathedral whilst there are various parishioners who have come for a church service who are all standing in pews and there's a load of you who have just been ejaculated out of the sky in front of them and have crashed down onto the tile work. I, I stand up, dust myself off, and I, I say, ladies and gentlemen, we got it. <laughs> As you look over and you see a holy man in robes standing there with a book in one arm who was a moment ago preaching to the crowd. He looks over at you. Got who? Who are you and where did you come from? Galbeck Village with a band of heroes. Well. I um, I, I stand up and just kind of like broke my temples a little bit. And I, just, I go, sorry, we must have taken a wrong turn at failing. As Aristobulus stands up, uh, he has landed somewhere in one of the further back pews as he extradites himself out of a lady's long floral dress. He's like, I am very sorry. As uh, he just like hands her back her handbag, walks down the central uh, nave of the church uh, or the cathedral. As he's like, I told you I could do it. I told you. Nailed it. As he looks over to the right-hand side where the summoning circle is that he missed by about 20 feet. <laughs> I give a polite round of applause. For, uh, I just, I give, I give Aristobulus like a polite salute and I turn to the, uh, to the priest guy and just say, sorry, didn't know we needed to call ahead. And <laughs> very awkwardly walk away from the scene. Well, thank you very much for just making a complete mockery of our church service. Um, if you wouldn't mind leaving a small donation on the giving plate at the back, uh, we would very much like to carry on with today's service. Yeah, just saying, if you don't want it to be interrupted, don't put a summoning circle inside. <laughs> in the middle. In all your important shit. The summoning circle is for use Mondays to Fridays, 9 till 5. I mean, what day is it today? Sunday. Right. Oh, see, we set off our time it was it was it must have been it must have been friday at like four I think like savings we, we might have lost some time in there i mean i, I kind of like checked my stubble as if i think i lost some time while i was in <laughs> as you all um as you all um head out you all look around for the first time you realize yeah you do are all slightly older, slightly, your, your fingernails are all slightly longer than they were. As you look around, Aristobulus is like, yeah, what year is this anyway? As the priest is like, 835, as you realise you've spent two years uh, stuck inside a summoning what? circle. What? As you, as you land outside the summoning circle. Are there flying cars? Two years. <laughs> You've lost two years inside a summoning circle. How long is Tatty's beard? He's uh, probably like this. He's got a strong goatee. It mostly grows around yeah, here. down, like Confucius. It's not got a Fu Manchu, you know, moustache thing going on, but it's it's strong. Uh, each of you feels slightly older. Each of you is a little bit greyer. Um, Aristobulus is like, all right, look, my bad, my bad. Um... That's that's totally on me. I gotta take responsibility for that. 
All right, yeah, no, we should probably be going. <laughs> As he, uh... we're, we're too late, two years late for everything. <laughs> <laughs> As you make your way back out of the cathedral, you enter into Utherdurn Real for the first time. Um, oh, we've lost Maud. No, I don't know. I'm here. Um, um, yes. Um, so you you arrive back in Utherden, you arrive back and you make your way back up to the top tier. And as you notice for the first time, Utherden is located three to four hundred feet up the mountainside. The entrance to the main city marked by a perimeter fence of a dozen or so stone towers around the centralized structure. Uh, where you arrived for the first time, two years now before... Uh, you notice there are small buildings, liveries and stables, and in the centre a large gazebo-type roof structure over a 40 to 60 foot wide pit. And you notice now that you've been in it that Utherden is a city inside the mountain. It descends inside. Um, numerous spiral staircases descending into the city proper, about 15 feet wide each. The staircases descend into a large semi-domed area, about 100 feet across. The air down there is much warmer than it is outside, and it smells like wetter, burnt wood, soot, and iron. The ever-present noise of commerce and bustle filling your ears, and you can hear the rhythmic tapping from far away as hundreds of hammers strike anvils while out of sync with each other in the underground city. The stairs continue down in a very wide opening that leads out to a ginormous 30-foot-wide road, the Auger Trail which is a roughly hewn road with numerous pillars throughout it that rise up to meet the ceiling to both maintain the weight and give it a grandiose, magically scaled Great Hall feel. As you pass through, it opens up into a massive 120 foot high by 1,000 feet wide underground cavern, which is the city itself, filled with buildings formed forming an underground neighbourhood that continue to descend, curving, like a gargantuan snake slowly spiralling into the earth. There are many mining works off to the far right and to the left of residential buildings, both in dwarfen and elfin styles. The city is formed of various disks as it goes into the earth. Each of the disks of the city further below contain immense pillars holding up the ceilings of the caverns and the disks above, some of which have been built in, in truly elven style and some in dwarf. Uh, each disk is bound by a huge, heavy, dark metal gate which is drawn up to the ceiling and you presume can be dropped individually in times of invasion. So imagine a giant corkscrew of a city drilled into the very mountain itself. Mm. And that is Utherdun. It descends into ever lower rings and disks. And you appeared in the second ring as you make your way back up the spiral staircase to the top ring. You come back out into the air and you relocate yourselves back in the area not far from the cracked cup where you originally left. The city looks, by and large, what it did two years ago. I have a sudden worry. Where's the bolt? Yes. I open up my backpack. Is my milk uh, Make me a nature check. It's probably going to be okay, is it? Uh, 15. Uh, 15. You sniff it. And it has a horrible, sickly, sweet smell. As After you put, two years. Yeah. As you crack open the lid, there's a sort of hissing. And so you, <laughs> see, you have a wonderfully rich, mature cheese. The curds and whey, as you look at it, 
as you look into the curds and whey of your milk, which was slowly spiraled through infinity over two years on an interdimensional plane, you see the curds and the whey and you're taken back to your tyromancy days as you almost believe you can see the future in the very churn of the milk in your backpack. Can I? Make me a perception check. This, uh, 12. Oh, wait, hang on, no, 15. 15! You, for a moment, in the curds and whey and the milk in your backpack, believe you see a beautiful dragonborn lady with piercing blue eyes. Wow. But then you snap back to it as you hear a voice from over the way as you look up and see Tavistock as he's like, as I live and breathe, where the fuck have you people been? Uh, not, not where, but when have we been? <laughs> wow. It's not where, Reginald. <laughs> uh, I go, have a stop, right. We saved Palebank Village, um, and we came back on the summoning circle, and somewhere between point A and point B, we lost a couple of years, a few years maybe. As you look at Tavistock now, you realise he's the same Tavistock you saw, but he's got slightly more scars than he did before. Uh, as he was like, do you boys ever do anything the easy way? Jesus Christ. Well, I bring good news and I bring bad news. Go on. I mean, I've got to take you before the High Court. There's no way you can do what you've done. You've got the fucking orbs of Tartarus, do you not? Uh, yeah. You mean to tell me you had the salvation of the Savalier wood on you and you let it go for two years? Uh, I mean, we tried to take it back to the elves that were camped out near there. Do you know how many fucking elves we've had up here looking for you? Um, I guess in two years, maybe a couple. A couple of fucking elves. You wee land twat. We've had all sorts. Tell me what. Hey, I've had a, I've a, I've had a hard day. I've had a hard two years. You can't speak to us that way. You've got to get brought before the High Court. And look, if you're innocent, that's fine. But you've got to stand before Queen Fraunaust and King Tailville. That's the dwarf and elven king, if you didn't do your mess. What are we... What have we been charged Stealing the orbs of Tartarus. Yikes. Turns out that their Oberon wasn't overly enamoured with you. Look at Hannah, I Uh, I mean... We're not going to have this argument. We're not going to have this argument here. You might as well. As you look around for the first time, you're aware that there are various glass blades scattered around. Just people and everything mills around. You realise they've kept the semblance of the guard here in case you kicked up a fuss. Mm. It's at this point that you see somebody making their way across the street. Um, what people are coming, people are going... Marching through the snow, this is obviously the upper tier and the snow is a thick crust on the ground. As you see a um, a worn and tired and tear-stained female dwarf with a small child hiding behind her leg. The child looks up with big eyes at you, Belsiar, daring to peek out every so often and then darting back behind its mother's leg. The female dwarf pulls out a big stained hanky from inside her cracked leather armour and loudly blows her nose causing the other citizens and the glass blades to stop in their tracks and stare. As she walks towards you, Belsia, looking into your eyes, she introduces herself as Samila Smeltbutter, the wife of Japeth. Oh. The little dwarfling, Josie, his daughter. Speaking you to Belsia, she said, They said you were with him at the end. Did he say anything? He, he died well. A true dwarf. At the end. Uh, she looks over at little Josie. She's like, That was his. 
She, she never met her dad. We were expecting when he went off with you. I, I kneel down to, to be at her height and I say, he was the, the greatest soldier I ever knew. Always quick with a kind word or a, a good story in times of need. We always looked up to him. The little child reaches out a grubby hand and puts it in yours. As she looks at you with big eyes, she said, Why did the all hammer make you scaly? Did you do something bad? I tell her, Allah loves wondrous variety. <laughs> <coughs> you can have all the XP for pointing Robin Hood Prince Well done. And with that, Samila shakes your hand warmly and ushers the small child away. As they walk away, Josie looks back every so often and waves at you, Belsia, as they vanish from the um, can I? I know you said that there's there's a few glass blades around. Can I do a quick like perimeter check? The like roughly how many there are? Are we talking like ten, twenty glass blades that are stood around? Maybe a perception check. I mean that's a natural twenty. <laughs> natural twenty. Your years as a hunter, your years as a ranger have your your practically MI five. As you look around, you see various suspicious looking people hovering around. Um, there's the glass blades who are positioned in between the shops. They're positioned just out of the way of commerce, but you see at least 10 glass blades, all of which are well-armed and well-prepared in various tactical points to stop you leaving via any of the major exits <coughs> to the marketplace that you're currently standing in. Um, and as you look up on the rooftops and battlements, you see various people who are also watching you. They've got you welcome. I'm going uh, to turn around to, to everyone. I guess uh, Tavistock is still uh, stood in front of us. Yeah, Tavistock is still in front of you. I'm going to turn around to everyone and just say, I think we, I think we, I think we've got to go with them. I guess we got to, we got to find out more about what they want, and uh, and we go from there. What are you doing, Maud? Uh, I'm, I'm taking in in the scene. I feel quite sad um, about the about the small child and and the woman. I'm standing slightly back, um, and then and then I remember the gnome Webersock. <laughs> and as we pan away, far far away, the drone shot zooming out of the mountain top keep and over, we zoom in to a bustling village now regenerated, now reconstructed. With a, Motherfucker. with a merry tavern full of happy people singing and inebriated people. And as we zoom out to the thick palisade with guards walking along the top, we see a single pike waving <laughs> in the wind with the fleshy, dried-out skin of a gnome on it. Still there, years later. And as we flash back from our Scooby-Doo moment, the glass blades coming closer to you, Tavistock says, you can come loudly, you can come quietly, I don't really give a shit, but quite frankly, I would suggest you come. I just I just nod my head and uh, I'm going to uh, kind of very gently like stroke Barbara's head to make sure that she's not in like an aggressive, uh, an aggressive stance, that she doesn't like start attacking them or something. Uh, as you go down to stroke Barbara, you realise that her fur is a bit thicker than it was. She's definitely padded out. There's more muscle on her as she's grown another two years. She was a young wolf. She's now uh, coming into her prime. Um, as um, she rubs herself against your leg. As you make your way through the streets of Uthodon, uh, 
um, towards the spiraling staircase back down to the center. Uh, you make your, your way past the shops. Uh, as you hear a scream behind you, Belsiar, I don't know why everything's about Belsiar today, as uh, you hear a voice, a female voice, um, as Smolders, the fire genocide, comes running across the courtyard towards you and it's like, Hola, Dragonborn! You've forgotten your... Have you? You, have forgotten you, you can't believe how long, I've been, how long I've been waiting for my, my skulls. Have you got my skulls? I have your skulls. I do not have time to keep all the shit in my shops that people leave there, so will you please take these two fucking skulls and give me some money for it? Yes. Um, I, I just... Uh, 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 how, much, how much did you say again? We said 150 gold. That's how much you Is want. that man a tip? I'm a bit short on gold. Um, I can, I can do uh, 100 percent But I look, I have been sitting with these two fucking cups in my shop on the shelf. You pipe bastard. I can, I can spot you for another. No, 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 no. Four, 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 four. There you go. And I'll take them off your hands. I'll, I'll do you a favour. She hands you, as the guards are trying to drag you along, she hands you two ornate skulls. One is clearly a child. And with the ocular cavities filled in, and the other is a chihuahua with with the apothecus filled in. And uh, each of them is now inlaid with a fine filigree of gold. As she tells you that anyone who drinks from the child's skull will be healed uh, as a healing potion, and anyone who drinks from the um, chihuahua skull will be poisoned. This is fantastic. Um, as, as you secrete those two things on your body. I'm going to give her actually more... Um, I've literally only got 124 gold, but I'll give her 120. Nice. As you hand her, she puts out her flaming hands as you just dump every piece of shrapnel <laughs> you've got. Literally a mound of coins. As she says, thank you very much. And uh, she walks past, side-eyeing Tatty and his single finger. Oh, yeah, she, he was the one that was supposed to fucking heal me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if you look in your inventory, you also took the healer sign from her shop and put it in your inventory. Oh, I did, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as you're led further down into the city, uh, through the varying discs from the... Uh, Valation disc at the top, all the way through the deliberation disc, which is the one underneath it, and then down uh, into the grand disc at the bottom. As you go lower and lower, as I said, it gets drier, it gets hotter as you make your way down, as you're escorted, um, uh, as you make your way down into the, the lowest disc. Uh, you see you're turning more and more heads and you see people uh, whispering as you pass them. As you make it down into the (coughs) main judicial law courts at the bottom, you see in front of you the giant doors and pillars of it as you make your way up the flight of stairs still flanked by each glass blade. As you look up, you can see the ceiling with the disc above, hundreds of feet above you and the pillars that join it. As you make your way to the top doors, they crack open and you see in front of you the tiled floor of the law courts as you see the hubbub and hustle of varying officials hurrying around as again there's an almost gasp as you're brought in as you're led to the right-hand side towards uh, the judiciary holding cells. As you make your way over there, 
You see over to your left-hand side a familiar face as you see Oberon, uh, who is leaning against uh, a set of um, benches as he shakes his head at you as he watches you getting brought across. And now, as you make your way in to be um, processed, each and every one of you has your equipment removed off you as you're taken into cells. Uh, you're left <coughs> in one large cell together uh, in, a, in a manacled to the walls um, as the guard... It's a, it's, a, it's a reasonably large space. It's a, it's a 20-odd foot cell with a passageway, and opposite you, you can see another cell with various citizens in it as the guard pulls the key back up and, and walks away. Um, and as you're there, you look through into the corridor as various guards and officials walk up and down. You see a familiar-looking figure. As you see a man dressed all in animal skins. As he walks through the corridor, turns, puts a hand on the bar, looks at each of you, tilts his head to one side, nods, and then walks off. What does he look like? Do we see his face? You do indeed. Uh, let me describe him to you. Tell me his face. You see a man who is uh, about seven foot tall, Clad all in dirty leathers, various animal skins, all of a mottled tone. He has um, fabric leather ties for shoes. His hands are bandaged up with various rags. Uh, on his shoulders are his, uh, various animal pelts with wooden spikes sticking out of them. Um, a very loose belt holding together a leathery jerkin, a mask pulled up over his face, almost like a, I dread to say it, COVID mask. Uh, over his head, he has the pelt of a wolf, uh, its paws, which have been skinned, hanging over his shoulders, um, various stone amulets and teeth around his neck, on a necklace, on a cord, and to one side, he holds a giant axe fashioned out of a sharpened stone which has been bound to a wooden pole by various bits of leather. The stone is jagged and clearly sharpened and on his back he has a, a very dangerous and effective looking hunting bow. His eyes are dark, his hair is matted, and as he looks piercingly at you, he nods and walks off. And that is where we are going to leave this week. Oh, Boris AJ again. Didn't see that coming, did you? The old suck them into an interdimensional time vortex trick. Well, if that isn't a stark lesson on why you shouldn't share dice, I don't know what is. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We really appreciate you tuning in and joining us for another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fuck-nuggetry. Assuming you've made it this far, why not consider hitting that subscribe button and never missing another episode again? Better yet... Give us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are on and help spread the word of our shenanigans far and wide. As ever, if you fancy getting your project shouted out on here, then why not slide into our DMs on Twitter and we'll see what we can do to help you. 
If, for some crazy reason, you do want to support us, why not help by donating at our tip jar, which is available on coffee.com forward slash Adventurers Anonymous. Our next goal is to invest in some better audio equipment, so if you fancy helping us with the cost of that at all, that would really mean the world to us. As ever, for all the latest news and updates and maps and shenanigans, we can be found on the social medias, on Twitter, at AdventurersANO1. Or we have a Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash AdventurersAnon. So, that just leaves time to say a huge goodbye from Chris, Chris, Lewis, Matt, Chanel, and myself. Give yourself a hearty slap on the back from all of us. We'll see you next week. Happy adventuring, my friends. 